0: All right, collective, be honest with me. How many of you, after opening a box, you, uh, maybe it's a box for a TV, maybe you got a phone recently, a computer, maybe even a small furniture set. How many of you, you throw away, you disregard the manual? How many of you guys are gonna be honest with me? You don't pay attention to that stuff, yeah? OK, or maybe this is you. Maybe you find yourself in a pickle, right? You're trying to fix something. And you call someone for for help. Rather than going to the manual, you ask somebody, hey, can you help me figure this out? And you guys do that? Yep, a few of you. Okay, most of you apparently read the manual. Um, so I don't. So here's what I do, okay? The other day, a few months ago, uh, I had my trailer connected to my Chevy Suburban. And I pulled out of my drive, and boom, heard a pop. I figured, what in the world is this? I could... Feel something was different. I went outside and sure enough had a flat tire on my trailer So I called my father-in-law who I got the Suburban from many years ago, and I asked Marlon do we have a jack on this uh, vehicle and uh, uh, He said He asked me a question. I said uh, Andre have you checked the instruction manual in my head? I'm thinking who checks an instructions manual for for a jack? Of course I didn't. So I told my father-in-law, yes, I did. I I lied to him uh, and told him I I checked, even though I didn't. Uh, And then I hung up the phone, went and checked just to prove him wrong. And sure enough, the instruction manual pointed out exactly where the jack was in the car. Now listen, without the instruction manual there ain't no way I was going to find this jack. It was hidden in a spot where you couldn't find it. I didn't find it. By that point, one of my friends who's a mechanic had already shown up with the jack to help me fix this vehicle. You've probably been there. Like, you have something that you're working on. You have the instruction manual at hand, and you decide away with it. I'm not going to use this. I'm not going to utilize it. I'm going to disregard it. I'm going to put it off to the side. We bought a house um, this year, probably six months ago. And since I'm a new homeowner, I had to buy all these tools. So I bought this Ryobi set. It's a, it's a power tool set. And again, every time I open up one of the, the, the uh, tools, I throw away <laughs> the instruction manual. Uh, I bought a zero-turn uh, mower. Uh, and you would think, you would think, I should read the instructions before operating the mower, and I I don't. I put it on the shelf, and I thought, you know what? I will just figure it out. I think we do this a lot. We do it all the time. We ignore the instruction manual. We jump straight to using or straight to assembling, and unfortunately, we do the same thing in our relationships. We jump right into it, Instead of reading the manual. Collective, I want to throw a disclaimer for tonight. Tonight's sermon is going to be adult content, mature audience only. Um, I'm going to take a very candid approach to how I deliver this message. I don't think there's going to be a lot of jokes in this one because some things aren't meant to be joked about. And when it comes to your relationships and having God in it and having Him at the center, uh, I believe we need to have this conversation, and there needs to be some truth that is shared um, tonight. And so, because I know how heavy this sermon could potentially be, I want to pray over this moment. I think some of you guys might not like me after this, but I hope that you're not hearing me speak, but you're hearing God speak to you through me. Bow your heads as I pray. Heavenly Father, God, I pray for these next few minutes that we're about to jump into. God, I I pray that as as I speak, that it is not my words, it's not my thoughts, it's, it's all yours. Even the notes that I have here, I pray, God, that it's all inspired by you. And I pray, God, that your people who are listening, that they will hear you speak to their hearts, and they will want to apply your principles to their lives and to their relationships tonight and evermore. We ask all these things in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. So I'm going to speak on four authorities tonight that are not all created equal. And the first authority is, is my own experience. You see, uh, I have fumbled my way through relationships and i did not try the best approach so i can speak from experience the second authority is all of you maybe not you specifically but over the last 10 years i've met with young adults i've met with high school students who've also struggled in their intimate relationships the third authority is our culture the trends the statistics what we see every day if i were to ask you to stand up or sit down if you felt like you rushed into your relationship way too soon, if I were to ask you to stand up or sit down, if you moved in with a boyfriend or girlfriend before you were married, if I were to ask you to stand up or sit down, if you had sex outside of marriage, chances are some people would be standing and sitting periodically. We know what the culture says, and that's another reason why I can speak on this, because we all see what's happening It's become the norm. And the fourth authority is God's. It's God's authority. And God is very clear when it comes to this topic. However, some people may think it's cloudy at times. But there is power in spoken word, and there's more power in written word and longevity in the written word. And you can take, for example, um, the Constitution that was written so many years ago, and yet still it helps us to live today. Or you can think of people like Martin Luther King Jr., who was influential at speaking, but he also wrote some very powerful things. And one of his quotes that I really enjoy um, is he said, God and nature first made us who we are. And then, out of our own creative genius, we make ourselves who we want to be. So, Martin Luther King Jr. wrote these words, and we still use them to inspire us and to inspire others today. But the most important written word that has the most longevity, thousands of years spanning, is the Bible is the Bible, a Bible, a book that is set with principles and instructions of how we can live a godly life in every area, a manageable relationship being one of them. He has given us the instructions, the principles for us to follow, but again, like me, like I usually do, we disregard and we do it our own way. And this is us. We're in this room putting together something that has value, something that we have invested in, and we're going in blind. We're assembling, and we've put the manual off to the side table, and we're just going to figure it out as we go. That's what we do with our relationships. It's almost the same as us turning off the lights as we're putting together this piece of furniture, and we're doing it in the dark. It's crazy, I I know, but this is what we do with our relationships. We refuse to consult God's manual. We refuse to turn to the Bible, and when the light gets turned off on our decisions and our desires, we find ourselves in a dysfunctional place, and we're at a loss wondering, how did we even get to this point? And the light it always turns back on, right? You always see the mess that we find ourselves in. And so to help us understand this, and even realize we're not the only ones who've been through this, we're going to jump into a book in the Bible called First Thessalonians. And this book is written by the Apostle Paul. He's writing to the people living in Thessalonica, and they're struggling with the same thing. They're struggling their relationships they're struggling to figure out if they're going to follow their desires or follow God. And so here's where we have this contrast set up in 1 Thessalonians 4, verse 3 to 5. And here's what it says. It says, God's will is for you to be holy. God's will, God's desire, what he wants for you, his plan for you is for you to be holy. And that word holy means set apart. Not like everybody else. He wants you to be set apart. He wants you to be special. So he says, so stay away from all sexual sin. And all means all. Then verse, verse 4 says, Then each of you will control his own body or her own body, not the other way around where your body is controlling you, your desires are controlling you, and live in holiness and honor. Not in lustful passion like the pagans who do not know God and his ways. This is the manufacturer's instructions. God, the creator of all things, has a plan for you, has a better way for us, and he wants us to be set apart and to be in full control. It continues in verse 6. Never harm or cheat a fellow believer in this matter, this matter being lustful uh, passions, by violating his wife, for the Lord avenges all such sins, as we have solemnly warned you before. Verse 7, God has called you to live holy lives, not horny lives, not impure lives, not unholy lives. Therefore, anyone who refuses to live by these rules is not disobeying human teaching, not disobeying Andre's teaching or Corey's or Josh or the Crossings teaching, but is rejecting God who gives his Holy Spirit to you. Collective, what this text is doing, it's setting up this contrast, setting up this this scene where we have two guides. There's two guides. One is your passionate desire, and the other one is self-control through the power of the Holy Spirit. And on one end, this guide is extremely attractive. This guide, he provides you with these sinful uh, temptations, and it's attractive, you feel like this is where you want to go because your flesh desires that you want to follow him, but he wants to take you and abuse you and hurt you and abandon you and destroy you. And the other side, the other guide over here, through the lens of the world, doesn't look as attractive, almost looks kind of boring, almost like your mom saying, eat your vegetables. I don't want to do that. The path doesn't have a lot of people walking on it. It's the path less trod. But the moment you begin to follow this path, he begins to peel away the trees and you see this open field and these beautiful animals and and, and plants and you see this river, this stream flowing. It's a beautiful paradise awaiting you. You see Proverbs 14 verse 12 says, there is a path before each person that seems right, but it ends in death. There's a path that looks right because everybody else is doing it. So so why not? Everybody else is living this way, so it has to be the right way. It seems right, but it ends in death. It's deceiving. But then Proverbs 16, verse 7 says, When people's lives please the Lord, even their enemies are at peace with them. That when you do things God's way, It has an effect on not just your life, but other people around you. But what you've got to see right here in these two paths is you have a choice. There's a choice. You can either learn to control your desires or be controlled by them. And some of you, if you want to experience relationship peace, you have to turn over your will to the principles of God. And unfortunately, what I believe has caused what, what we believe is this relationship dilemma is, is unfortunately our lust. And simply put, lust is a very strong desire for something or someone. A very strong desire for something or someone. And if we're being honest, if you're being honest with me right now, that's what has failed us in our relationships is that we've rushed into things because of this very strong desire, and in doing so, we skipped some important steps or maybe even added some things that were never meant to be included in relationships. What we see is that sexual thoughts and fantasies and sexual acts outside of God's design for marriage and pornography and masturbation has completely contaminated God's plan for our lives. I'm not trying to shame anybody, but we have to turn the light on. You see, lust, it starts off as this this little flame when we are, you know, teenagers going through puberty. And then, you know, little things here or there gets added. Maybe we watch a a pornographic video, or then we started having sex. And decision after decision, we start pouring kerosene oil on this flame. And next thing you know, it's a dysfunctional bonfire. And we're here, and we're wondering, how did it turn out this way. Why am I here? But we're here because we didn't have the patience to follow the manual. Or maybe it it was that no one else is reading the manual, so why should I? Or maybe we think this this feels right. This, This seems right to me. But there is a cost. Collective, there's a cost of ignoring the manual. There's a cost of putting the manual on the shelf and saying, I'm not going to worry about that. And the cost is the quality of your life and your relationships, both present and future. What's happening when we disregard the manual, what's happening when we disregard God's word and what he has to say about how we should live in relationships is we are sabotaging ourselves. We're sabotaging the quality of our lives and our current and future relationships. Let's take sexual acts outside of God's design for marriage as an example. You see, sex was created by God. He is the manufacturer, and one of its primary functions is to create life. You're here because your parents, I'm sorry, had sex, okay? So this is one of the primary functions, and so because of that, here's what we see. We see over 700,000 abortions a year, that is someone's lust costing a life. A human being is not here because other humans believe that their way was the best way. It costs. Now, if you or someone that you know has gone through this, I want you to know that there is, there is healing and there is... Redemption in a relationship with Jesus. No one is mad at you. There is forgiveness. But we've also trained our minds not to bond with anyone. Not to bond with one person. We become addicted to variety, so we'll never be content with monogamy. We decide we're going to have sex with this person, and this person, and that person. And what we're doing is we're retraining God's design. We're retraining God's product. You don't want the real thing. You want counterfeit, and we are missing out. What about pornography? What about the cost of that? Again, God's design is marriage, sex inside of marriage, and when pornography enters the scene, it becomes a very slippery slope because it starts with you wanting to see someone naked and then it goes to you want to see this person having sex with someone and then it moves from one person to group sex and then it moves from there to S&M and then animal and then worse, children. And when asked, when, when asked, porn addicts confess that their taste became increasingly extreme and deviant. That's how slippery this slope is. It starts simple, and it ends in disaster. Another cost of porn is that we desire the counterfeit. We see these fantasies, and we think, this is what I want. I want someone like this. And it leads to insecurities in both men and women. You either desire the counterfeit, or you want to be the counterfeit. You want your body to look like what you are seeing. And the last time you click on a link, the last time you click on a picture, a video, the last time could be behind you, and there is freedom in that. But do you guys see how we have perverted God's design? That was never his intention as a manufacturer, was for us to do this. And lastly, masturbation. Yeah, we're talking about that in church. What's the cost? It makes you a terrible lover. You become selfish. It trains you towards premature ejaculation, premature orgasm. And it's two ends of the spectrum. It's really deadly. On one end you have premature ejaculation and on the next end you have erectile dysfunction. And what happens is you, 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 you become this selfish, awful lover that you come together now with your spouse. The person that you're supposed to have an intimate moment with, and because of what has happened in the past, you're not able to love them selflessly. You have no idea to do that because you've been learning the other way. Think of your marriage. Think of your future spouse or your current spouse. They don't deserve less of you. They deserve all of you. Again, God's design is sex inside a marriage relationship. And sex is so powerful that it, it, it releases so much dopamine in your brain and through your body. And, and when you have sex, it bonds you to that moment. It bonds you to that person. And, and psychologists re- refer to this as the sex glue. It's so powerful. And there was a case study done. On this young man and and his family what happened was his father caught him masturbating in his bedroom and caused a lot of shame and so the boy didn't stop instead he went outside to the cornfield and he did it out there and each time he would do it he'd have these boots on later on he grows up he's married but he is having trouble having sex with his wife and having an orgasm because his mind has bonded, his brain has bonded to his boots. So the only way he can enjoy sexual intercourse with his wife is if he's wearing his boots because his brain has bonded with his boots. The same thing happened with someone in a car. That's how powerful this is. And so when we start here and then we get married, we are robbing our future spouse of intimacy. So we're seeing the cost. It's costing us something when we decide, I don't care, I'm going to do things my way. It's one way to do it, but it's going to cost you something. We have a solution, and the solution is self-control. That's what it said in um, Thessalonians. It's self-control through the power of the Holy Spirit. I want you to imagine you're in a hospital room and you are flatlining. There is no line And they need to operate on you. They need to do CPR. If you're taking notes, this is what you need to write down. CPR, CPR. We're going to do that twice. There's going to be six points you need to write down. And Here's what you need to do for the solution. The first C simply stands for confess. At the very thought level, the moment a thought comes into your head, you need to confess it out to God. You need to confess it out to somebody else. You need to speak that out. James 5 verse 16 says... Confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. You no, know, I'm I'm not Catholic, I didn't grow up Catholic, but I've seen movies where people go to the priest, right? And and, and maybe I'm wrong, but maybe the, the movies depict it differently or, or, or incorrectly. But but they confess, they they say what they've done, what sin they've committed. And after they say that, they, they feel better. Like, there, there's power from confession. There's healing when you confess. Or, or when you go to an AA meeting and you say, Hi, my name is Andre, and I'm an alcoholic. There's freedom from confession. Confess your sins. That's the first step. And the second step is to repent. Or, sorry, to pray. CPR, to pray. After you confess, you pray. Prayer always follows a confession. Whether or not you pray or, or, or somebody else is praying over you. See, the next part of James 5, verse 16 says, the earnest prayer of a righteous person has great power and produces wonderful results. That when someone prays over you, there's healing in that. And then R simply stands for repent. Repent is a church word that means to turn. To turn away, turn away from the relationship that you know you shouldn't be in. Turn away from the sexual sin that you've been entangled in. Turn away from the habits. Turn away from the decisions. Turn away from the past. And every time you turn away from something, you turn towards something else. And that's the fourth point, is C stands for Christ. As you're turning away from sin, as you're turning away from sexual sin, you are turning towards Christ and what He has for you. You're turning towards a group here at the collective that can surround you and pray for you and build you up and hold you accountable. You're turning towards serving Christ here in the church or somewhere else. You're turning towards filling your life with the things of God. And then the next P is to pursue And what are you pursuing? You're pursuing holiness. The life that God has for you. A life that is set apart. A life that puts you in a place where you're not following what everybody else is doing. You're okay taking the path that less people are on. You're pursuing holiness. You're making decisions to maybe break up with someone, you're making decisions to get Christian counseling. You're pursuing healing. Maybe you decide, I'm going to start going to regen and, and allow my life to be reborn. But you're pursuing holiness. And then the last point are simply to read the manual. Read the manual. If you want your relationships to work, you have to follow the principles of the manufacturer. God created this world. He created you. He created me. He knows us more than we know ourselves. He created sex. He created a relationship. He told Adam and Eve what to do. This was his idea, not yours, not this world's. And so if you want to know how to handle relationships, how to handle sex inside a relationship, you consult the manual. You make a decision tonight I'm not gonna disregard this anymore. There's a better way. He wants me to be set apart. He has a plan for my life. And I want to walk in it. I want to live in it. And, and, and I wonder that for some of you, if could could this season of singleness be a time for you to focus on yourself and focus on your relationship with God versus rushing into a relationship, rushing into trying to get married or being envious of somebody else who's taking that step? Could this season of singleness be where you decide, I'm going to invest more in God's work, I'm going to read his word, and I'm going to become the person that I'm looking for, is looking for? Could this be the season of divorce where you decide, I'm going to let God refine me so that way I'm not bringing any of the baggage from a previous relationship into this new one? Could this be a season of your marriage where you decide, I'm going to spend time with my spouse, reading God's word on our relationship better equipping ourselves or finding a group of wives or a group of husbands who can go through a study with me to help me figure out how to do life better with my spouse. See, we can start the undoing tonight. The last time that you operate in your relationships without God's Word, without His directive, The last time could be behind you, and there is freedom in that. It's not too early to start, and it's not too late to start. You may be thinking, Andre, well, I've already done all of these things. I'm here to tell you that we serve a God who can make all things new. That's the power of the God that I serve. No matter what your past looks like, You don't have to walk in it. You don't have to live in it. And if you're just starting out, what better time to start than right now? You may be thinking, oh, this is over my head. I haven't made any decisions yet. I'm still single, Pringle. It don't matter. You can start setting those foundations right tonight. I mean, you can you can check off all six of these steps tonight. I'm going to tell you, it starts with one step, and that first step is is the hardest. It's the hardest step to make. For you to confess to God at these steps, or for you to go to confess to one of your friends and say, listen, here's, here's really what's been going on. I haven't told you this, but this is what I've been doing. That's the hardest step to take. Whether you're single or in a relationship, every single one of us can take one of those steps tonight. The question is, do you want God's best for your relationship, current or future? There's a right way and a wrong way to do it. And I know I've done it the wrong way in the past. And I wonder if we'd have some people here tonight not willing to leave this room the same way that they came. Struggling in relationships, having discontentment, feeling guilt and shame, feeling like I can never get it right. You don't have to do it on, on your own. There's a manual. And the manufacturer wants you to access it. He wants to help you. He wants to guide you. And I can guarantee it's going to be the best decision for you for the person you're going to spend the rest of your life with. Don't don't trust don't trust me. Trust the manual. Can you stand and pray with me? Heavenly Father, I wish I heard a sermon like this when I was in my late teens, early 20s. I wish someone spoke this truth in my life before I got married. I wish I'd made better decisions. I wish I consulted your word. I wish I had read more books about having a godly relationship, what it looks like to be a godly husband. I wish. Father, I pray that these students or these young adults, everyone here in this room, your people, they're not looking back at their life thinking, I I, I wish that they will seize this moment, that they will hear your word, that they will hear the nudge and feel the nudge in their heart to make a move, to take action, to desire something better for their lives, to trust you, the manufacturer, to read your manual, to read the principles that you've laid out for us so we can have a better, we can have healthier relationships that thrive, that honor you, that honor the people that we're in relationship with. I pray, God, that we don't live in regret anymore. But we surrender our will and our ways to yours. Help us move closer towards that end tonight. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.